Before we begin today's show, want to spend less time on your lawn and more time scrolling through breaking news on Twitter? As insiders, we've all got secrets. Just like Scott's turf builder, Triple Action, has acquired the secret to building a thicker, greener lawn. In return, they have taken all the hard work out of the picture to give you more time to do nothing. Scott's turf builder, Triple Action, kills weeds, prevents crabgrass, and feeds to build thick, green lawns. With Scott's turf builder, Triple Action, you can finally get the lawn you've always dreamed of. Pick up a bag today. This is a Scott's yard. Grab a bag today. This is a Scott's yard. This is a Scott's yard. Also, Scott's no quibble money back guarantee says if you're not satisfied, you get your money back. And as you probably know by now, The Last Dance is a 10-part docuseries chronicling the untold story of the Chicago Bulls dynasty, and it's now on ESPN. We'll talk about it more later on the podcast, but if that's not enough, a new episode of Detail on ESPN Plus premieres this Sunday with Steve Kerr breaking down Game 2 of the 1998 Finals, which the Bulls won 93-88 in Utah to even the series 1-1. I'm sure Kurt will be one of the most entertaining uh, hosts of that. I guarantee you that. Um, you can sign up for that now at ESPNplus.com. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA. A-team Wednesday night, Thursday posting. It's Wednesday evening. Joining us from Boston, Massachusetts, is Jackie McMullen. Jackie, I hope you're hanging in there. That's about what I'm doing today, is hanging in there, Brian. We are going to have a wonderful evening, a lovely discussion. I'm ready. <laughs> she sounds so, so so committed to that. Joining us in Dallas is Timothy Band McMahon. McMahon, you had an interesting story uh, that published yesterday or today? Uh, my days. Tuesday. Yesterday. Yesterday. Right. Um, tell us about it. Well, Dennis Lindsay, the Jazz Executive Vice President of Basketball Operations, did a Zoom call with the media. And it was the first time that he really, uh, you know, I mean, he touched on a lot of topics, but it was the first time that he'd really kind of publicly addressed this rift that had developed between Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. And you know, he basically said exactly what I thought he would say and, you know, and essentially what I had been hearing from jazz folks, uh, you know, and just kind of off the record conversations. And that yeah, look, they, they aren't denying that. And you know, there's no denying that Donovan was upset with Rudy, maybe still is upset with Rudy. But basically what they're saying is, look, they're going to be professional. They're going to put it behind them. They're going to move on. And they know they need each other if this franchise is going to, uh, you know, accomplish any of its goals. And so, you know, there's still just one very major missing piece. Donovan Mitchell is radio silent on the subject. And so I don't get a sense of major concern from the Jazz. You know, uh, one one. Uh, fell over there, said, Hey, I'm, you know, as far as NBA drama goes, it's a two on a scale of 10. It's just that. You think that's true? You believe that? Uh, two's probably a little light. And, and, and look, the simple fact is, it's not like everything was just, you know, sunshine and daffodils between those two before. I mean, there was some, 
I would I would describe that as an awkward personal relationship. Yeah, you've talked a, about it on on this pod, recently. right? But a very productive basketball partnership. Um, you know, I don't think this is any sort of situation that they that can't be recovered from. It, it's just it's there's such a spotlight on it because they were you know basically patient zero and and I guess patient one or whatever. You know, I mean, they were in some ways, you know, the post, at least the sports poster boys of the coronavirus pandemic. And so there's this huge spotlight uh, on them for that reason, you know, plus they're all-star teammates and blah, 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 uh, all those sorts of things. But the Jazz really feel like, you know what, if there was a practice the next day or, you know, if they were playing a game a couple days later, if they had to be in the same locker room and play together, practice together, whatever – that this would have been just a, a, a tiny little uh, a little blip instead of this, you know, kind of I don't know what I don't know what you call, it, but it's obviously been a lot more than a blip. Jackie, you've seen a lot of stuff in the NBA. I don't know if anybody has ever seen a scenario just like this. I guess maybe it's like other star players, but the circumstances here are well. Bizarre. It's so unusual, and I think. Everybody's visceral reaction to Rudy Gobert being so cavalier about the virus and touching the reporter's microphones. And I will say this at the time you're thinking, well, what is he doing that for? And then, you know, we find out that he tests positive and then his teammate tests positive. And then again, your visceral reaction is like, you're an idiot, blah, blah, blah. But the thing is, you need to look at it from a longer view. None of us. Rudy Gobert or Donovan Mitchell, any of us understood the magnitude of what we are dealing with. And I think that's why this thing has a little bit of legs, because this is a very serious thing. Uh, we have an NBA player who lost his mom to this virus. This is a very serious illness that has literally taken the world and put it to an abrupt halt. So that, to me, is why this maybe has a little more legs than normal. You know, those two guys... You know that, Tim. Are they the best of friends? No. We could go through every single roster right. in the NBA and pick two two teammates that probably hate each other a lot more and yet find a way to play together. You guys played sports. I'm sure there was you had teammates that you didn't you weren't particularly fond of. But when the game was going on, who has time to think about that? You're trying to win the game. So Just, I think this flows over. I think I think your point's a good one, Tim. Everything's come to abrupt halt. So there is no practice. There is no game to get over with because you do. You get over these things. You go past these things. Now, the fact that they're not particularly fond of one another, you know, that's a lingering issue. How important an issue, I don't know. It seems to me some of it stems from the fact that Gobert isn't getting as many shots or as many touches. You can correct me if, if I'm wrong. There's many lobs. I mean, he doesn't want post-ups, but he – you know, and I've mentioned before, like – I understand sometimes you're opening, you don't get the ball, but if you're the wide receiver who comes back and bitches at the quarterback every time, it's like, dude, there's a pass rush here. You know, there's stuff happening. Like, you're not going to get it every time you're open. And I think, I think that they both, you know, they've had conversations with each other, with ownership, with, you know, management, teammates, coaches, whatever. And those will continue. They both need to have honest conversations with the guy in the mirror. And I think Rudy really does. I, I just, you know, I, I think he has allowed his obsession with status sometimes to be too important. And status leads to worrying about stats because, you know, he feels like he has to score more but points. But he's, he's never going to be a stats guy. He's oh, always going to be 
right. with the uh, intangibles. Yeah, and so I think I think he needs to, you know, and and I know for you know I know for a fact they have people who are who are honest with him, but like the assistant coach who works with them on a daily basis, Alex Jensen. Does not sugarcoat anything. I think Rudy Wait, Alex guys. Jensen is a uh, head coaching candidate down the yep. line. Yep. And not, oh, and, you uh, bet. Good one too. And uh, another guy who, by the way, had a lot of success in the G League um, before that. Um, let me just ask you this, Tim. We all know that Donovan, whenever the off season arrives, Donovan is um, extension eligible and almost certainly will receive a right. max extension offer from the Jazz. We don't know Bobby Marks here, but I'm fairly certain that Gobert is extension eligible at some point. He is super max extension eligible, actually, because of his uh, All NBA and, and and Defensive Player of the Year awards. So, and he's not. I can't like. The, he's, look, not Donovan, super, he's not getting right. a super. He's not getting a super max. Let's Donovan be clear. Is, Donovan is easy. Yes, and they're they're not going to mess around. This is not <laughs> Gordon Hayward. Right, Donovan <laughs> is a much more accomplished player That's at this true. point in his career. They will I, give him the max. Extension as a restricted free agent. I, and that's I, that. I had a GM once described this as the quote fun, the fun max. Yes, yeah. the, it's the, the fun it's, max. That's it's, great. It's the <laughs> you know the player all, all the player always signs it. I know that there's been guys who rattled the uh, you know rattled the saber. Uh, Porzingis, for example, was like, "Hey, I'm not signing it." He, we, he didn't get put to the test. Um, it's, it's it's usually very low stress. Um, some guys have only signed for three years, but you know it's twenty five percent of the cap, so it's a big number, but it's usually not dangerous. The guy is usually in his early twenties. It's the fun max, so I, I think that wow. probably gets done. But and a but, little a little more fun for the team, Brian, since that cap is going to be a bit lower too. That's absolutely true. Although he would sign it, and it would be based on you know he would wait for a year, so it would be based on the cap right. in twenty twenty one. But you know your point is right, Jackie. It's a good time to lock your players up um it's one of the reasons why it'll be interesting to see what happens with Giannis because even if Giannis is head over heels in love with Milwaukee and wants to re-up um it may not be the smartest time to sign but um but yeah full fun max for Donovan Mitchell is a it's that's not a decision that needs to be made that's a formality right but for for an organization like Utah I mean any organization that's 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 making you know, a, a nine-figure commitment, it's serious. The Jazz cannot be flippant with nine-figure contracts. Right. Um, and that's what a Gobert extension would be. Um, yes. This, so this is a very, you know, disregarding this little, this unexpected flare here, or maybe it's more than a flare fire. This is a pretty big choice on what to do, and you got to really be <clears throat> believing not just in Gobert, but that Gobert is going to work with Donovan. And it's not even so much that you don't believe in Gobert. It's that they got to work together. Right. It's a, it's and, a tandem and, commitment. And I'm telling you, I don't get any sense of wavering from the Jazz that they want to build, continue building around Gobert and Mitchell. And that they see themselves as being at least a team that has an opportunity to contend for the foreseeable future with O2, which the foreseeable future is basically, you know, for their next contracts. Right. Now, well, I just, having said all that, look, especially with Rudy being super max eligible, with Rudy being a very proud guy, with him feeling like the Jazz got a little bit of a discount on the last deal, although at the time he signed it, nobody was saying that. You know, th- those negotiations 
could very well be very interesting. Uh, whether something happens this summer or whether they, you know, right. whether it's, they wait until he's it's actually just, on, It's just on not a good time to do big contracts. I yeah, mean, Donovan, I mean, it's a no-brainer, but it's just not a good maybe, time. But, yeah, maybe it makes sense with Rudy to wait and see and, you know, okay, test the market. I don't know. We'll see. That, that well, one will be interesting. And I, well, I think – I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jackie. No, I was going to say, and after next year, you've got Conley off the books too, right? Right. Yeah, but that is the summer 2021 when there's going to be a lot of all stars floating around, or at least you know maybe right. not a, maybe not well, a lot, but but well, few, that's, quite a few. But that's that's sort of my point. So if you're Rudy Gobert and you want to wait till 2021, you're going to have some competition. Yeah, and he will be uh, 29 at that point. Wait, wait, no, 28, I believe. Um, you know, centers. Uh, it's a it's you know it's a tricky time for big men, uh, but you know the, the, obviously the Jazz are certainly a team that that believes in building around not necessarily a center but this center. Um, but I I think long term and as far as like, like that duo sticking together, I really think Gobert's contract might be more of a uh, you know those negotiations might be trickier than because ultimately here's here's what the Jazz people will say is look. Donovan is a competitive dude with good character. Rudy's a competitive dude with good character. Like these things will sort themselves out and they don't need to go, you know, they don't need to go sit around the campfire. Like who cares? That, that's, that's not a big deal. They just need to have a productive business relationship. And then, you know, they're very confident that, uh, that, that, that they can. And in some ways they think maybe it can be better because you know you're gonna have, they're gonna have to kind of talk things out and, and deal with things that probably needed to be dealt with before all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's one thing is that this could force things to a head to deal with it. I would say, I mean, the more you think about it, the more it becomes obvious that Utah is going to have to pay him because you know if you, if you don't sign him, you're gonna you're gonna have to seriously think about trading him. You'll never right. get you'll never get never. Yeah, I mean, never we can, get free. We money. can go through hypotheticals of like what could the Jazz get for Gobert given his his uh, contract situation. Um, <laughs> you're not getting equal value. You know, you're definitely not getting equal value considering your entire defensive system is built around him, and he's as important to their offense as a you know as a, as a great left tackle is to an NFL offense. So he's speaking- not going anywhere. My prediction. Yeah, I agree. It's just a matter of the I, terms. I would, I, would, I would put my money – well, I'm cheap, so I'd put my $5 <laughs> on, yeah, on that go. as well. Um, speaking of superstar or star tandems, I don't know if you call Guri a superstar. He'd, you know, he'd say so. But um, a lot of attention was paid to uh, Sean Marks making comments in New Zealand. I'm sure Sean – <laughs> was thrilled that this became uh, a lot of reaction. He, you know, he gave an interview to his home, his home media in, in New Zealand um, about not him not ruling out Durant. If I'm not mistaken, when he gave a sort of state of the team address around around All Star, I think he kind of said the same thing, which is that, for lack of a better term, they haven't ruled Durant out. I remember. Um, Maybe not around All Star, but may- maybe the first time he talked after they shut down, uh, he kind of didn't roll it out. And then I, I think um, 
Rich Klein and his manager kind of put a little bit of cold water on it. I think it was but, the other uh, way around. No, it was the other way uh, around. Was it the other way around? Yeah, Kleiman was the one that initially said something about maybe him being possibly able to play. And then I'm sure after conferring with Sean, that went away. But but it's all different now, Brian. It's all different now. Because if, in fact, they come back, which we're all hoping still will, will, will occur, let's just arbitrarily say June. Everything I've been told, and I think you guys have heard the same thing, you're talking about a minimum of three to four weeks of a training camp. That's a completely different scenario than having a guy who's been sitting out all year while everyone else has been playing try to come back in June. Two completely different scenarios. This one, to me, is possible if he's healthy, which is a big if. We know Sean is so careful, so close to the vest. He will not take any unnecessary chances with Kevin Durant. But if Kevin Durant's been playing pickup and he feels ready to go and he gets cleared and he has a three- to four-week training camp with his teammates and rejoins the league from an even playing field, I could see it happening. Yeah, well, another thing is, look, we understand this is not a Sean Marks decision. This is Kevin Durant's decision, uh, ultimately. And, you know, if it, like you said, if, if he feels ready, if he's if he's clear and all those things, and he, you know, is, is mentally confident and wants to do it, great. If he has any doubt in his mind, don't mess with it. I mean, he doesn't have to prove anything to anybody as far as coming back this season. Anybody who doubts Kevin Durant's, you know, competitive desire is absolutely idiotic considering, you know, the way he tore the Achilles in the first place. Well, he did put himself up for Team USA. Now, uh, that's limited in its value because there was 44 guys for 12 spots. It wasn't like he was saying, count me in, write me down, I'll be there. But, you know, my feel is he wouldn't have said that if he didn't think there was a chance. Um, and, well, you know, and, and Team USA would have been July, August. And uh, I don't think June is on the board, Jackie, for actual competition, maybe for some training camp. No, but, training uh, camp. That's what I mean. Yeah. You start up again June. And then you start playing in July. And that scenario, now I would say this also, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me for Kevin Durant to come back unless you know for sure that Kyrie Irving is joining you. See, it because, depends on this. Because like, so absolutely. Just... Because I think if the two of them come back, that's one thing. If, if Irving isn't ready, I don't know what kind of sense it makes. The other reason this makes some sense is that you do have some decisions to make about your personnel. And some of your personnel has never played with Kevin Durant. They've played with Kyrie. But wouldn't you like to see how it goes with Kyrie and Kevin Durant? I would. So so Steve Kerr made some some comments. Uh, He did an interview last week where he talked about, he's like, in our mind, the season is over. And um, I understand. (laughs) Yeah, I understand why the Warriors feel that way. For the Warriors... If, especially if there's not going to be any sort of, play, you know, if all of a sudden they were saying, look, this is going to be 30 teams could all play for the championship and we're just, you know, going to play like a, you know, then all of a sudden I think the Warriors ears would perk up and like, wait a minute, Clay, how's that knee feeling? You know, um, you know, where they could play their way into like a playoff setting. But it, short of that, which I don't, even if there's some sort of play in tournament, I do not think that, I don't think the plan is, look, I, I think, I think we can say this. If you're going to want the teams to come back to play, you're going to have to incentivize them to want to come and play. Um, and I just don't think – I don't know what they're going to be able to do to incentivize a team like the Warriors. So 
I can understand why Steve is saying that because I don't think there's a lot of upside for them. I would say the other end of the spectrum is the you know are the Nets because they're a, they're a playoff team right now. They're the seventh right. seed, and whether they cut that if they decide to come back and just play the playoffs, or even if they have some sort of play in or whatever, the Nets are going to play relevant games if slash when the season begins. <laughs> and Jackie, nineteen ninety nine lockout season. Now there was no layoff before the, the, the structure was different, but we saw an eight seed make the finals that year. And one of the reasons is because in that fifty game season, you know things got a little bit murky. It, it wasn't as defined. Well, guess what? Um, there's a whole lot of unknowns. We don't know who's going to come back in shape. We don't know who's going to come back motivated. I, I think that you know, look, I know the Bucks and the Lakers are going to be really good. I'm, I am not, but I mean, I don't. I think the seeds take on less meaning. Um, in this event, in this, in the, in the, in the event of a return. And then if you're a seven seed and you've got Durant, even if you don't have Kyrie, you've got Durant all of a sudden, even if he's not full force, I mean, it's a real wild card. I mean, it's the, the, the Nets could have the biggest bonus if this happens. It's, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, only Kevin is sitting there. Only he knows. If Kevin listens to this, he'd be like, listen, man, I'm not, you got to be crazy. I'm not playing. But I mean, he's got to see the sort of the same things. Of course. And listen, players want to play. And if, if, again, to Tim's point, we saw how badly Kevin Durant wanted mm-hmm. to play in the finals last year to the point where he made a decision that turned out to be extremely unfortunate for everybody involved. And you don't ever go in thinking that's going to happen. Now, if you're Kevin Durant, you have to be mindful that your body betrayed you. And you have to make sure you don't put yourself in a position where your body can do that again yeah. for you or for your team or for your future. I've been told that he looked great in these pickup games that he was playing in. I I was told that even if this pandemic hadn't occurred, that there'd be people wondering if Kevin Durant could come back. Now, I think it's great for his sake that he can come back under these circumstances. Again, I stress training camp. I stress everybody starting now from an even playing field. We saw, I mean, we we keep talking about the last dance. We saw Michael Jordan try to come back mid-season. You saw what that was like, even for the greatest player that ever lived. It's just not that easy. Right. It's not even also, it's not just that he would get a training camp. It's that if you try to come back, like, while everybody else is at full speed. Right. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. You're on a level playing field. Everybody's starting from scratch, just like you, to some degree. Not completely, but to some degree. Another team that potentially benefits, and by the way, um, you guys who have listened to this podcast know that I have skewed pessimistic on on the season. Um, I have now gotten to the point where I do believe that this season is going to finish. There will be a champion declared. I just don't know what's going to happen this summer or this, or this fall. But I – and, and I, I'm also moving away from the idea that it's all going to be in one bubble. Mm-hmm. But um, – and things change rather rapidly. I, I reserve the right to change my opinion here. Uh, I was pessimistic about seeing basketball in like May and June um, or even July. I, I'm now more thinking that we are going to see a season finish. I just don't know what form it's going to be or when it's going to be. Um but in addition to the Nets, uh, I think the Sixers are a beneficiary of this layoff because, Jackie, as you reported last week, I believe, in your big Ben Simmons profile, or maybe that was two weeks ago, don't ask me days, 
he's feeling a lot better and would be cleared if there were games right now. And then um, Elton Brand, uh, he met with the media this week and he affirmed what you said, which was that if they were playing right now, Ben would be out there. That's a huge thing because we were thinking that that was a potentially season ending back issue. And this, that's a team that had trouble getting it together. They get it. They would get a second lease on this if they got, I mean, I think they're definitely a team that could potentially benefit from this way. As you look at winners and losers. Oh, no question. No question about it. And, and I, I still believe that Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons can make a splash in the postseason. I still believe that. I still think they can play together and win together. And we'll see. We'll have to see. But they, they now have a little mini training camp to decide exactly how they're going to do that. I really believe that Ben Simmons was preparing himself to shoot threes in games that matter. Now, is that a huge game-changing thing for the Sixers? I don't really think so. Because Ben Simmons does so many other spectacular things, we focus on that one thing too much. But it would help, I think, the spacing of the team. That's the main thing it would do. See, I'm still skeptical on the spacing. I'm still skeptical on on that duo, you know, especially with the supporting cast that they have, just because, I, you know, I just think it's a 1980s team. But see, I think you've hit on it. I think you've hit on it, Tim. I think it's more got to do with the supporting cast than it does with those two. I really do. Because last year, there were, you know, there were some spacing issues. Right. But but you had Jimmy Butler and J.J. Redick to take care of those issues for you. Yeah, um... So, Tim, any other teams that you think uh, highly benefit or highly get penalized? There's one that I see a whole lot. I think the Rockets benefit a lot because they were on fumes. (laughs) You know, I mean, small ball had had been tough on them. You know, P.J. Tucker's in his mid-30s, top 10 in the league in minutes. You know, Harden had been, you know, looking like a guy who, I mean, he, he had not, by his standards, played well. His efficiency had dropped pretty uh, significantly, you know, it's it's not a team that's got a a real deep bench. You know, they weren't playing well. Uh, they're uh, going into the you know the, the suspension of the season, and so I think just for them, you know, being able to get some time off, and it's not that you know it's it's specific injuries. It's just being able to get their legs back under, being able to to get fresh. You know, Dan Tony and his staff have kind of seen. Uh, you know, the way teams have adjusted and, and, you know, they've had time to obviously, you know, brainstorm and, and think about counter punches and all those sorts of things. So, yeah, I, I would put the Rockets right up there, despite the fact that it's not, you know, a case like a Simmons or a Durant where you, they might be getting a superstar back they didn't expect to have. Yeah, I, I, I think one of the teams that potentially pays is, is the Lakers it, more just because they were playing so well oh yeah they're mad they're furious yeah. you know they are the Bucks too the Bucks were the Bucks had every Bucks were playing historic basketball and and I don't care what anybody says you, those teams are both great and I have no doubt that they'll be contending if in fact we return they'll both be contending for the championship but momentum matters when you when you build systematically build uh, trust and confidence within a team over the course of the season, it matters. And I don't know if that carries over through all of this. I'm, I'm just not sure. I know I talked to Doc Rivers. Was that – see, I've lost my weeks too. I think I talked to him last week. Maybe it was the week before. 
And he was frustrated because he felt his team was finally on the cusp of getting where he had hoped they would be all year long. And now here you have a layoff again. So the Clippers might be a team that has not benefited from this layoff, I would say. You know, the Celtics, Kemba Walker was not right. It's been radio silence with Kemba Walker. I wonder, I'm going to, I'm going to, that's, that's on my to-do list to find out how Kemba Walker is feeling. You know, he had had the knee, no one was saying in much, they weren't talking about him having surgery or anything, but he clearly was hobbled by that. Jalen Brown was beat up a bit. Any teams that had players, and very, very important players, by that I mean, I'm really talking about the top three or four players, because those are the ones that are going to make the difference in the postseason. You know, Portland, what will Portland look like if, in fact, they return? Who comes well, back with them? Well, Nurkic, I assume Nurk, I mean, Nurkic was getting ready to go. So Right. Yeah, you know, Dame needed some time, but but I don't. Dame, need, Dame definitely needed some time. Yeah. So they're another they're another team that benefits. They may not get a chance though. I mean, they may know. cut it to sixteen. I know, right? You know, so. They may not. But that's a team that they're going to say, "Come on, man, we were right there. Give us a shot. Don't don't cut us off at the knees. We we were close. We could have done this." I will say this: like, um, if if they if they have to cut it at sixteen, and and I want to be clear. There's no indication that they're leaning one way or another. I mean, the only message that you're getting is there is no decisions. Everything's but, on the table. Everything's yeah. on the table. In the event that they have to cut it to 16, I do think it's been a representative season. If you have 65 games, um, that is a – I am not – I mean, I, obviously, it's, it's difficult to, to talk to Pelicans fans who are hoping for a run. Um you know, Blazers fans, um, 65 games is, is representative. And I would not quibble if they have to do that. Um, yeah, but let me let me say this. Easy though. for you to say, Wendy. I know, but I'm saying it. I, I, I agree with your point. I, I don't think it would be necessarily, you know, unfair, some kind of, uh, you know, anything along those lines. But if you're interested in, in a play-in tournament, wouldn't this be a, a perfect opportunity for a, for a kind of a trial wow. run? I think, this is the, I think this is the perfect opportunity to remake the NBA how you want to make it, yeah. including so, with the schedule for next year. So why not have a 7-10 through 10, uh, play-in tournament under those well, circumstances? Look, I just think if you're going to want – one of the things that the NBA needs is games to make up for lost revenue. And if you're going to ask teams that are in – 10th or 11th place to go through the process of getting ready and going through everything here. You're going to have to give them something to play for other than, Hey, we want to uh, have our rookies get a few more minutes under their belt. Right. You know, so if, if you know, like it's very clear, like we, no matter how you think about it, it's very clear where the, where the Warriors position is. I don't know what you're going to incentivize the Warriors. I don't know what you're going to incentivize Bradley Beal playing for the Wizards. Like, well, see um, now, but but see now, Scotty Brooks told me a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, we we were in ninth place, and we were I think they're four games out, four or five games out. But he said, "Look, my guys thought they were coming together." And they want a chance well, to go back. You know, and the, grab- the other guy to ask about would be John Wall because you know he right he had been doing more and more stuff. Um, but and you know, <laughs> I, I'm just telling you something. Like if you're going to get those guys ready to roll, you're going to have to really give them something to play for. So, um, and there's 259 games left. 
on the regular well, season schedule. It's a, it's a heck of a even yeah. if you're not sell, even if you're not selling a ticket. There's a lot in there. But let <laughs> me let me but let me just say if you're an NBA player right now, I don't imagine there I don't care what place you're in in the standings. I can't imagine there's one NBA player that's saying screw it man, I don't want to come back. I I just don't believe that. That's just not their mentality. That's why they're in the I mean I, it. Dis, I disagree. I do not. I do not. I, I disagree. I think there are guys who are like, look, <laughs> I, this, I, this, I, this is going to be a risk anyway. Why? Uh, my team, why, my team why is it a leave. risk? Why is it a risk? Because we don't know what's going on with the virus. You know, there's, there they're is not, a, they're not, I, there, there will be some risk, but there will not be any significant risk or it won't happen. Uh, That's why we're sitting defini- here. It depends on your definition of significant. I think there's plenty of guys who are A-OK with shutting it down on non-playoff teams. Boy, I haven't haven't talked to any of them. I think there's plenty of guys who are A-OK with shutting it down on non-playoff teams every year around game 65. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I talked to to one team this last week, uh, within the last week, and they are a playoff team right now. Um, And they had a Zoom call with their players. And because they were they 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 called them together to have a discussion about practices about the facility opening, and uh, a number of their players are have left town. A number of their players are in town, and there just wasn't a lot of super duper enthusiasm about coming back to the facility. Not because they didn't want to play, just because they're skittish. They're skittish about everything right now. Now, I, I mean, I, certainly not speaking for everybody. I'm speaking for a. But the way this guy said to me, it was like we were surprised how many of those players didn't raise their hand when we said who would come in if we started, you know, next week. Okay, but but if you start next week, I wouldn't go in either. But if we're if you're starting July first, that's a whole different yeah. thing. I, I'm am just saying, Jackie. I, there's there's going to be risk involved. That's that's the thing. I mean, look, uh, we all make a thousand decisions a day about, uh, where we factor in risk uh, every time you go down the stairs. You could you could fall and get injured, but you know you go down the stairs because you you feel pretty good about it. But you know this is this risk profile is going to be a little different. Um, either way, I I think that there is, if you're looking for something to be excited about, this could be a bit of a free for all. Um, we just really don't know how this how this is going to come back together, and I'm not sitting here <laughs> saying that the Grizzlies are going to make a run and make it to the West Finals or something, but um, I think seeds will be less relevant than they've been in a long time, maybe since the 99 lockout season. Um, well, especially if there's not home court advantage, which, you know, we'll see. I mean, there's not going to be fans almost certainly. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> there's, yeah. Who knows where the game's even going to be? Right. Um, That's right, well, a good point. That's a very good point. So yeah, home I mean, court advantage is completely irrelevant. That's true. But then again, like a team like 76ers who was terrible on the road, that's irrelevant too. Every game is neutral. We think, uh, we think that's the way it's going to be. We've come to the part of the show where we will be talking about the last dance. Uh, Our coverage of the last dance is brought to you by state farm. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, state farm is there. coverage also brought to you by AT&T. Jackie, when we were discussing, you know, um, Wendy, you could have been like the third uh, twin, Chris Paul, Cliff Paul, and you. <laughs> and and and, he, and you know, Wendy would be that Asian that says, "Oh, that cloud, there's a bear. 
He's tearing into your car. He's smashing your car. You need new insurance. He's breaking your bowling balls. Wait, it's a deer scratching your car. That would be windy. I'll yeah, have you know that. that I did, that I did a State Farm commercial last year during the playoffs. Um, mm-hmm. Probably less uh, highly uh, compensated than Mr. Paul um, or uh, Cliff or uh, the guy from the office, um, Oscar. Oscar. Uh, Jackie, you had an interesting. Uh, takeaway from what you saw just on our little notes before we got together here. Would you mind uh, bringing that back? What do you mean about Ainge and uh, Jordan? Well, you, you were just saying that the, the, these behind-the-scenes footage just shows some of the, well, the so, relationships opposing players had back then. Right, and we've, you know, we sometimes criticize today's players because they all grew up in AAU together and they all want to play together. They they plot and scheme to all end up on the same team instead of trying to beat one another, which is the old school way of doing things. And yet here we find out in the last dance that Danny Ainge and Michael Jordan were playing golf the day before Jordan dropped 63 on Ainge and the Celtics, you know, and, and, and so I heard a lot, I heard from a lot of people saying, well, you're always saying that the old school teams that didn't happen. And I said, well, first of all, because Danny told me later, he made sure nobody on his team knew about it. Like if Larry Bird knew about that, it would be oh my God. be hell to pay, number one. Oh, my God. Right. And oh. number two, the interesting thing about it is this was strictly a golf transaction. Danny Ainge is an excellent golfer. Are, are you I, applying there was transactions well, <laughs> going yeah. on? Yeah, they were betting. They were betting. And so they mm-hmm. both love play golf and they want to play golf with one another. Because it's hard to find a good golf partner that's at the level they are. But this is not the same thing as going on vacation with each other's wives, uh, plotting to play together in a new city. So I think that's, to me, where the, the confusion lies and where the lines are maybe a little blurred. I'll tell you one thing. If I was a, a halfway decent golfer, I was when I was a kid, but I'm not anymore. But if I was like... If I felt like I had a bit of an edge on Michael, I'd play with him every day because I have no chance on the basketball court <laughs> against him. No right. chance. I'm never like I'll you know listen, I'll I'll practice quarters all night long and and then go up with him for 20 bucks a game. But I I I have no chance at basketball. But not only do I have a chance at golf, but you can get under his skin. Um of course, maybe that works against you on the court, but um, I would have lined up to play with him for sure. Wendy, well, I think the, you ought to go with the. Uh, I think you ought to bleach your hair and get it perm and 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 go with the uh, the shrug and security guard look. I like the two belt look that that guy was rocking. Um, uh, he's a then. great guy. You're a really good dude. All those guys were the security guys. They were really they were really friendly, and they were you know near the end the second time around with Michael. Those guys were around him more than most of his teammates. Well, I mean, honest. look, I wasn't – Jackie, I was in high school at the time. But – well, I actually was in college in 98. But it looks like based on the footage that Michael pregame just hung out in that room with the security guards. Well, he, they grew to be great friends of his. And his know? teammates kind of would like dance in their head. Hey, could I have a ticket, please? Right. That yeah, was a yeah, great you, you asked Stepping guys in his for office. Yeah, yeah. And he was, was he was like um, – he was like a kid who came to ask dad for, you know, for something, right. you know, he like sort of tiptoed in there and. Well, his guys you know. on that team were, were Pippen and Ron Harper. Those were his boys. He was very close with both of them. 
they did things together outside of the team, outside of practice. You know, they spent time together. I think that at one point they had a little workout thing. They called it the breakfast club. You know, they were, they were very close to three of them. Although, as you will find out, this is what we call a tease in the business. Wait till you see this weekend's episode on Scotty Pippen. It, it's got to do with Pippen and some of the things that are said. It's, uh, it's pretty startling. And and some of the things that Scotty says too. It's it's a really it's a second I have not seen any of it. You're the second person who's told me this. Yeah. It's uh and and it I have mixed feelings about it. But we can talk about it next week. because I, I don't think I'm supposed to talk about it in advance. No, I don't I, I don't want you to talk about it in advance. I want to see it. Um Yeah, no spoilers, Jack. I'm not, man, I didn't. I stopped. Although I, I, I have to say one of the things about this I know that people are focusing on the big picture stuff. Like the, the, the big commentaries that are being made. But one of the things that I'm just enjoying great, you know, one of the things I'm smiling at is just the little stuff. Yeah. Oh, I the see. quarters game with the security guard. Yes. Of yeah, course. That was great. Yeah. That was great. I, I, did you catch, and I look for these little Easter eggs. Did you catch the uh, shade thrown at Christian Leitner? Oh yeah. Buried in there. He was like, he, he was giving an interview about Tony Kukoc, uh, this is not now. This is you know in '92, and he's and he's explaining why Kukoc struggled. It's like, well, here you got eleven of the best players in the world on this team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. I was like, boy, who was the twelfth man? Right. Um, <laughs> well, and you know, Shaq Shaq wanted to play on that team, but Christian Leitner had more international experience, so he got the nod over Shaq. Shaq right. was hoping to be on that. Imagine Shaq on that team. <laughs> Man, that would have been something. Oh, that would man. have been awesome. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I can't imagine, you know, th- I can't imagine how it would have operated, but that was Shaq in his athletic prime, 1992. Yeah, oh, God. Just, it would have been something else. But, you know, Leitner had gone through the U.S., had had more USA basketball um experience and that stuff matter. Plus he was an unbelievable college player. It's hard to argue. He was one of the great college players of all time, but also Absolutely. they Absolutely. all, they always wanted to sort of, they, they kind of wanted to keep a, a connection to the, to the, to the college players also. Well, that lasted they, one time. <laughs> I know, but at the time, yeah, but they also were thinking, Oh, well we have to also think about 96. We want to you know, get a guy who we think is going to be a leader on our 96 team, blah, blah, blah. Well, but I, I just like those little things that happen where you're like, oh, man, that's an awesome little moment. Um, that's what I'm enjoying. That's why I don't want any spoilers. I mean, uh, typically I'm a little bit late getting to it because we have been recording our podcast and we're ending like right before it. And by the time I take my dog out and get my act together, I don't sit down until about a half hour into it. And I start, I start to get texts from people. And I go, no. I'm behind. I gotta. I gotta catch up. Don't. I don't. Want, I mean. I don't want to be bothered. Uh, I don't want to miss it. And in, in that way, it is like a real live event. It's the closest thing we have to it at this point. Um, but um, McMahon, did you feel like? Um, you, I mean, do you agree with Jackie about uh, the differences in the camaraderie that is from 20 years ago till now? Uh, yeah. You know, I think really now it's just it's a like. You see everything. You you know they they play, you know little grab ass on Instagram that you see, and you know everybody's got cell phone. I just think it's it's a different world as much as it is that the the dynamic between the players is is different. But yeah, I mean obviously the AAU impact is there, and 
you know, and then the international impact, you know, like, uh, you know, these guys who are playing for, you know, the, the Spain national team or the France national team or Australia, like, you know, when guys are uh, playing against dudes who are their national teammates, uh, you know, there's a different sort of camaraderie there, too. Here's all you need to know. When Magic Johnson started following Larry Bird, what he was doing in the paper, he thought Larry Bird was black because he had never seen him on TV before. That's <laughs> right. the difference. That's the difference. These guys all grow up watching each other play. If you want to see any player in college basketball, all you got to do is turn on ESPN. You're going to see him. It was not like that before. Yeah, and, and they know each other well before they get to college. They're going all yeah, the AAU. AU, right. the elite camps, you know, I mean. I mean, I, I saw mean, Zion Williamson the, highlights for three years before right. he even showed up at Duke. I mean, these guys, <laughs> a lot of them know each other before they get to high school. So, uh, McMahon, Tim, uh, Donovan Mitchell, as you probably know, played at Brewster Academy in Wolfboro, mm-hmm. New Hampshire. He played with my college teammate's son, Jared Reuter, who ended up going to Virginia. And uh, I saw Donovan Mitchell. I went to see Jared Reuter, but I ended up seeing Donovan Mitchell. Well, I'm a little bit worried about this week since uh, I know Scotty and have a good relationship with him. So, well, I love uh, Scotty to death, and I, I'll just say that. I mean, let it go. That's what I would say. Let it go. I will say that um, it is pretty amazing that uh, I attended a Eastern Conference Finals game in 1992 when I was in eighth grade. Wow. Who got you the tickets? Uh, well, my uh, my dad actually had a piece of season tickets. Oh, okay. And uh, like he he got he had he had a fourth of season tickets. Um and uh so I went I you know, back then uh the Cavs played in Richfield, which was essentially a suburb of Akron. Um the players lived in in uh, Akron suburbs. It was kind of like Akron's pro team. So, um uh, it was like a we. I could go to. We went to Cavs games without even getting on the highway. We took like back roads to get there. That place um, was in the middle of nowhere. The Richfield Coliseum was in the middle of a big field. Then again, there was only back roads to get there because it was in the middle of nowhere. Um, right. Yeah, they they built it in between Akron and Cleveland and said, "Oh, the cities will grow together." And guess what, Jackie? They were done growing. <laughs> they were shrinking. Oh, gotcha. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, so to be able to, um, you know, I watched Scotty play, uh, you know, as a kid and the opportunity to um, to uh, get to know him now. I mean, this is, happens in our business a lot, um, but specifically with Scotty Pippen, it's it's special. So I hope uh, and it's He's fun to prince. hear. He's a prince. He yeah. really is. And um, first off, he looks exactly the same. He looks better. I mean, you know, it's funny. My, I have all these friends that don't really follow basketball, and they're all watching this. Everyone's watching it. And one of my friends said to me, that Scotty Pippen guy, he looks like he could play tomorrow. He's very yeah. fit. He's very handsome. I said, I'll tell him next time I see him. <laughs> yeah. he, um, uh, I don't think his knees are in position to play, but he uh, he does shoot uh, on set in L.A. when we're there. and uh, Dumped uh, on my he, head last time I was there, Brian. Oh, Dumped yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll, I guarantee he can dunk. That I can yeah. tell you. Um, so I don't know. I'm I'm biased when it comes to that. But by the way, I you know I, I think I've described this moment on this podcast before, and if not, I'll tell it now. But um, in the All Star game, the last All Star game that was in in L A, um, which I think was was it two years ago? 
last year? Uh, was it 2019 All-Star Game in L.A., I think? Um, uh, we were doing some stuff there at our studios right by Staples Center, and Scotty was in a green room, and I was in a green room, and Kevin Love was there. He was going to go on the show that day with us. And at one point, Jackie, I was totally, I was totally out of my league in this conversation. Scotty says, close the door. And I close the door to the green room. And Scotty tells us some stories and tells us some things for the next 15 minutes. And I can't repeat them. And there was nothing like nothing sinister. Don't get me wrong. It's not like, uh, oh, yeah, you know, we uh, we did this and that and we robbed this guy, blah, blah, blah. But um, I'll never forget that conversation. And like as he was talking, I like, looked over at Kevin and we both had this moment like, can you believe Scotty's talking about this right now? And um, there's been some other times where Scotty has has relaxed and told some stories. By the way, remember, Scotty had a much longer career than just his Bulls career. You know, he played in Houston. Played and he for played, the Jailblazers. And played for in Portland. And let's just say he has stories from those two teams. <laughs> and uh, th- there ought to be a Scotty Pippen 30 for 30. And we need to save a big piece of that for those uh, <laughs> those two um, those two experiences. That's all I'm going to say. Teammates who loved each other. How about uh, Scotty Pippen and Charles Barkley? Mm. Did he tell you any of those stories? No, he did not. Mm. So I saw the. Uh, I mean, ask that those legendary in Houston. I actually saw on Twitter the other day. That's when you remember when Scotty ripped Barthens. Jack, you probably remember the exact quote, but it was something about. You know, Charles, something about Charles, called him his, his fat butt, something about that. I don't well, he was out of shape because he yeah. was out of shape. Yeah. Something about get his fat butt in shape or whatever. Yeah. And they asked Barkley about it, you know, after a practice or shoot around or whatever it is. And Barkley basically said, you know, and Scotty had said, I guess, that he wasn't going to apologize. And Barkley said he was going to go get his gun. And so they'd find out if he, you know, if Scotty was really going to apologize or not. <laughs> Barkley threatened to go get his gun and like hold up uh, Scotty and make him apologize. I have not heard that story. I will just say that Scotty has has Houston stories. <laughs> That's all he can say. And uh, Scotty, by the way, does impressions. <laughs> wow. I did not know that Scotty does impressions. Um, all right. Well, uh, thank you for listening to the Hoop Collective Podcast. Check out The Last Dance coming up uh, this Sunday, ESPN, ESPN2, the censored version. Thank you, Jackie. I hope your week improves. Thank you, McMahon. Thank you to Troy back in Bristol. And thank you to Andrew Hahn, who is not actually listening to right now. So we probably are able to keep... I except for thanking Andrew Hahn. I'm just thanking him for not being on this podcast right now so we can keep all the uh, Pip and stuff in. I'm sure we'll not get it out. All right. Well, we'll be talking to you uh, posting on Monday.